joy to be here today, Cookville Free Will Baptist Church, in this special service, a special time, actually, in, in this county, with all the events that have took place this past week. And uh, I believe that God has His way in everything. He's God, and not just uh, you know, sometimes we make a statement, I'm just going to let the Lord have His way. That's kind of a dumb statement, you know. That's like saying we're going to let uh, a dog bark. That's what dogs do is bark. And God's going to have His way. Some years ago, uh, and people laugh, but this, I truly, uh, I made a decision, and it kind of come down to this. And someone said, you know, it's, you made any New Year's resolutions? And I said, well, yeah, I did. I did about 10 years ago. I made one, and it's worked out real good for me so far. And so I've, I've stuck with it every year. And that's this. When it rains, I'm just going to let it rain. Works out good for me. I used to try to stop the rain, uh, grow hay, and uh, do a little farming uh, hobby farming, I guess you'd call it. And I used to, I'd cut my hay down, then pray for three days, Lord, don't let it rain till I get my hay up. And one day I was raking hay, getting ready to bale it. And, uh, and boy, the clouds got dark and I started praying. I said, Lord, here I am again. You know, I need the money out of this hay. If it rains on it, why nobody's got a horse is going to want to buy it. And I was just having this conversation with him. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, Bernard, why don't you watch the weather before you cut the hay? <laughs> so now I watch the weather. It's best, I think, to just let God have his way. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm convinced the Lord has laid this message on my heart today for this church. My intentions is to have, for it to be a two-part message uh, part this morning and, and part tonight. Now, that's my plan. All my plans don't work out like I plan them, but that's my plan today. If you open your Bible to St. Luke chapter 15, St. Luke chapter 15, and uh, we'll just read the first three verses, and then I'm just going to talk to you about this uh, chapter, part of it this morning, and then if the Lord would allows tonight would you stand just so God knows that we love him and we're thankful for his word this morning look at verse 1 2 and 3 of St. Luke chapter 15 everybody's found it say amen, amen. all right verse 1 says then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him and the Pharisees and scribes murmured saying this man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful this morning for your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being God. We're just thankful for who you are, how much you love us, and how you care for us. I do praise you this morning for the call that you've placed upon my life, and I know that you have a calling for every individual in this world if they'll just seek your face and find themselves in your will, whatever it might be. So now I pray you'd have your way today 
in this service here in this place on this eighth day of March 2020. And we give you praise and glory in advance, for we ask it in the name of Jesus, our mighty and precious Lord. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this parable <clears throat> has three stories in it. Uh, and, of course, in our, our introduction, you notice that Jesus uh, was preaching and these publicans and sinners drew near to him that they might be able to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, which were the religious people of the day, they murmured about uh, what Jesus was doing and how he was living his life and what he was, uh, how he was reacting to the, to the public. And Jesus began this parable in answer to what they said in verse 1, 2, and 3. This chapter tells us something about God. It tells us something about Jesus Christ. Uh, let me just, you, you do know that Jesus is God, right? Yeah. Amen. Well, I thought we could have had a quiz here to begin with, a true and false, and you can say amen for true and false. Don't say nothing, please. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, Jesus is God, St. John chapter 1 tells us that, says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and by Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that was made. So He was with God in the very creation. He was God at creation. You say, well, I thought you were talking about Jesus. Down in verse 14 of St. John chapter 1, says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld Him as the only begotten of the Father. So that puts, that puts a, a heavy weight on everything that's written in red in your Bible. Now, the entire Bible is important. It's all good. Uh, all of it was written for us, but not all of it was written to us. And you know that. Part of it's history. Part of it's prophecy. Uh, but anything that's written in red... It's God speaking, and we can learn something if we'll just listen to what he says. So Jesus answers his critics uh, here on this particular day, and he answers them by giving them a parable with three different stories in it. The first story uh, had to do with a man having a hundred sheep. He said, what man? I was struck by the fact Mason, that he didn't say what shepherd. He said what man had having a hundred sheep. If one of those sheep should go astray, will he not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? It's not just by chance, he said, in the wilderness. Uh, because he's going to leave them in a place where uh, when I think of wilderness, I think about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. You remember that? Uh, they, were, they were taken care of by God when they needed food. Manna came from heaven. When they needed water, it came out of the rock. God supplied all of their needs there in the wilderness. They had no battles to fight, but without battles, you have no victories. So they had no victories. They were just wandering. And, and Jesus says, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will he not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go out and search, he says, 
to search for that one that has gone astray. And he'll go after that which is lost. How long will he go after it? He says, until he finds it. And so Jesus says, here's, here's the first story that I want to give you in response. Don't forget, he's responding to what the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees said in verse 1, 2, and 3. And he said, if you have a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, will you not go out and look until you find that one? And then when you find it, I think it's important that he says in verse uh, verse 5, he says, And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He's glad that he's found it. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then Jesus qualifies everything he said by saying in verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. That shows us something about God and about Jesus and about his attitude about the world, the lost world. And it tells us something uh, about his, his, the scope of his vision and his love. Uh, he, it's not just uh, a few that he loves. You know there's a doctrine that says uh, that God has done picked out certain ones to be saved and they're going to be saved no matter what. And the rest of the world, he knows who it is and he's proclaimed that they're going to be lost. But I'm glad that the Bible says, my Bible says, whosoever would come unto him and believe on him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad of that? Uh, I got a good friend who had a shirt made up, and he said, I am a whosoever. And he wears it proudly occasionally to church just to remind himself and everybody else that God loved him. And so that's what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees here. He, he's saying, uh, God is looking upon this world and there are those that have strayed away from the right way. They're gone away from the fold and the flock. And, they, and Jesus has gone looking for them. You know, sometimes we come to church and the Lord has laid this on my heart from time to time. And, and I have said, I have honestly said this. To God, and you may have too. Lord, where are you? We sing a song, you know, that here comes Jesus right on time. And the second verse says, I've walked through uh, many dry places and the deserts and all those things. And, and at my, so, uh, my hardest times in life, I look around and I think, where are you? Uh, and then, of course, the song says, and then just at the right time, here comes Jesus right on time. And uh, I have asked that question before when I'd be in church and I'd be saying, Lord, uh, I, I want you as a pastor, I want you to bless my church. I want you to come and just pour out your spirit upon our services. And, and I want to see, 
I want to see great rejoicing in the house of God. I believe every pastor wants that for his church. And uh, at one point while I was asking the Lord where he was at, uh, he reminded me that he is the good shepherd and he's the one that's looking for those sheep that are astray. If you, don't want to, if you want to know where he's at this morning and you say, well, uh, I don't sense his presence here. He's in the, on the mountains and in the wilderness searching for those that have gone astray. And he intends that you would be a part of that, seeking those that are lost, looking for those that have gone astray. I had a pastor some time ago to tell me, and it was very disturbing to me, because he had made some proclamations in his church, and, and he said, I said, how, how did your people feel about that? He said, well, there was a couple of families, you know, that, that stopped coming to church because of that something he decided to do. And I said, so, uh, I said, so, as far as you're concerned, those families can just go to hell then. Well, that upset him, but I was already upset. So it didn't really matter to me that he got upset. Uh, because I think Jesus gets upset when we just write people off and say, okay, they don't matter. They're not important. But Jesus said, if one of the 90 and 9, if just one goes astray, that one is important enough to leave the 90 and 9 and go and seek and find that one that's lost or that's wandering away from God, that's out of the fold. How many of you knows that it's dangerous outside of the will of God? It's dangerous for those who were once a part of the church who live for God and serve God who have uh, become injured in some way or other and they have left and, and, I, I, and perhaps they are uh, not in church anywhere and uh, we just write them off. I don't think the Lord's pleased with that. I think His Word teaches that we ought to make sure that they're ministered to. Now maybe they're going to go to church somewhere else. And that's all right. God's got a place for all of us. He's got a work for all of us to do and a place to do that work. And uh, I'm not saying that, but Jesus is saying for those that are just gone away, they need to be searched for. And if you want to know where Jesus is at this morning, that's where he's at. He's looking for them. And when he finds them, uh, he'll not just put his arm around them. That wasn't what he said. He said he picked it up and put it on his shoulder. And he carried it back to the fold. And when he came back with that sheep that was lost, he said to his neighbors and to his friends, Rejoice with me. If you want joy in the house of God, go get the sheep that is astray and bring it back. And not only will there be rejoicing in the house of God, but there will also be rejoicing in heaven. Isn't that what he said? There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons. Now this implies something else to me. That all people, that God loves them and he wants everybody to be saved. Everybody. When Jesus hung on the cross, he didn't hang on the cross for a chosen few. 
He hung, hung on the cross for every individual who breathes air and is born into this uh, born into this world, Jesus died for them so that they could be saved. And we're to be active in bringing them to Him. Then there's the second story that Jesus gives us in this parable. And it says in verse 8, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently until she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise I say unto you, Jesus says, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So we're reminded again in this particular story that Jesus is telling a story about a woman that has lost one piece of silver and had ten, but in, in his uh, summation there in that last verse, he reminds us that he's talking about sinners. He's not talking about silver, but he's talking about sinners. You know, I wrestled with this particular story in this parable for for a long time, and I, I tried to think of some analogies uh, how that this, uh, you might uh, uh, apply this to a woman. And uh, it, it always struck me and it puzzled me that he said, what woman? He could have said, what person? He used a man in this first story. But in the second story, he says, what woman? having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one. Now this first man whose sheep went astray, the sheep left on its own. But in the second story about the woman in the piece of silver, it plainly says that she lost it. It didn't go astray. Money don't have legs, although mine has wings. It doesn't walk away. It goes away. It flies away. Someone said, money talk. And I said, it sure does. Mine says, bye-bye, Bernard. <laughs> so, uh, but he says that there was a woman. And, I, and just last night as I was studying this, yesterday afternoon, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you know, it's not unique that he would use a woman because the Bible declares that the church is the bride of Christ. And a bride is a woman. So his indictment in this second story is to the church. The first one, he's talking about individuals. But now he's talking about a body, a collective body of believers, and we call it the church. And he says that the church had, if it had 10 pieces of silver, if this woman had 10 pieces of silver and she lost one, would, what would she do? And then he proclaims it to us. She'd light a candle. She'd sweep the floor or sweep the house. Actually, you know, he didn't say, I think, my, I just, uh, not too many people sleeps the, sweeps the walls and I never heard anybody sweeping the ceiling. So when I think of a broom, I think of the floor. But that's not what Jesus said. Did you notice he said, she swept the house. 
the entire house, the whole house. She lit a candle. She sought diligently until she found it. Until she found it. And I thought, how does that apply to the church? What does that mean to us as a church? And I thought of this. What, what Sunday school teacher, having 10 students, and they lose one of them by carelessness or by accident, by whatever means that one is lost. Jesus, I believe, has given us an indictment that that teacher ought to go and seek and search diligently till they find that one. That the church, as a church, should make efforts to be sure that no one gets lost especially in the house. You notice he said, in the house, in the church. This, this particular piece of silver, was it was lost, but it was in the house. Anybody ever lose anything and it's in the house? Makes you feel a little better it's in the house, don't it? But it doesn't make you feel too good because you can't find it. And uh, we won't talk about your keys. That's the normal thing that everybody loses. We, we are key hunters at our house, and, and we hunt a lot of other things. And I suspect as we get older, it's going to get worse. I could ask some of y'all, because you're already there, but I don't want to embarrass nobody by calling names. <laughs> I don't know what you're hunting now. You may be hunting the house. <laughs> but uh, as a church, it is possible, and Jesus shows us that it's possible to lose something and it'd be right in the house. To misplace somebody in the house. Because you know he's referring to people. So how do you know that preacher? Because his summation, he says, there is rejoicing in heaven over a sinner. He's still talking about sinners. He's talking about people in the house. You say, well, if you're in the house, you're Christians, aren't you? We're we're saints of God, but the honest truth is, uh, since I've been here, I've scanned the house, and I've seen no wings or halos. We all are making mistakes daily. Jesus knew we would. That's the reason he said, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us that's every day and he knew that we was going to fail Tanner talked about it this morning in Sunday school class and it's true for all of us and so that's the reason it's obvious that we have to forgive because we need forgiving and Jesus said as long as you forgive others my heavenly father will forgive you but if you won't forgive others, why then my Father in heaven won't forgive you. So we need forgiveness, so we've got to forgive. I use an example about, you know, there's some people love to hold grudges. And I guess there is some joy in that. Uh, I can't remember. I stopped holding grudges a long time ago uh, because I heard someone say this, and I thought, that's great, and I'm, I'm not going to hold any more grudges. And this is what they said. 
Holding a grudge against somebody is like eating rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. You'll get that about lunchtime. Y'all scare me a little bit. If there's that many grudges in the house, we got our work cut out for us this year, this week. He said that uh, the house need to be swept. Something else Tanner said in Sunday school that reminded me of this particular story in this parable. And he said that right now where this uh, tornado went is a cleanup period. A time of cleanup. And then after the cleanup is done, why then the rebuilding will begin. And that's kind of the way revival is. This morning uh, is the cleanup period. The time to sweep the house. And uh, only you know where the nooks and crannies is in your life and where the things that are in your life that would hinder you from being able to go to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, say Lord, I, we need you desperately to do whatever it is that you need from him. Because David said, help me not to have sin in my heart because if I do, then you won't hear me when I pray. It might be that my children will need me to pray to God and get a hold of heaven for them before this day is gone. I don't want to have to sweep the house. I don't want to have to look in that closet where I've kept those grudges or, or where I've kept those habits or where I've kept those things that God knows is there, uh, but I have put them away from me so I don't have to look at them and I don't remember them every day because it's hard on your self-esteem when you know there's things in your life that shouldn't be there. And so we kind of hide them from God. And in revival, if we're going to have revival, we must open the doors to that room and let Jesus in. And say, Lord, I, you got the broom. You do the sweeping. And whatever it is, you just show me what it is, and I'll throw it out. I got the trailer parked outside. Amen. It's backed up to the door. What do you want me to throw out? Have I been harboring something in my heart that I should have turned loose of a long time ago? Help me, Lord. Help me to get it out so that I can rebuild. Because the only way to find that one that's lost, that peace that is not there anymore, it's in the house, but it's, it's still lost. The only way to find it is to sweep the house, clean up the house. Find out what's going on. We need to, you know, every now and then, we just need a time of looking around, seeing who's here and who's not here. And uh, sometimes it's easy to overlook. We all have a tendency to see ourselves, and then everybody else is in light of ourselves. We see ourselves first. And we even say things like, well, you know, you got to look out for number one. You won't find that in the Bible. That's something you'll hear somewhere else. It, you won't hear Jesus say that. He says, uh, rather he says uh, to honor one another, prefer one another, which means to put others above yourselves. And when you begin to sweep the house, you'll find that piece of silver. And then the rejoicing will come.
Well, I said, uh, there's three stories in, in this chapter. The last one is about the prodigal son. And we talk about, you know, you hear people preach about the prodigal son. And I have preached uh, about him many, many times, about the one who left home, went down into the far country and came back home, and, and the father received him and all that. But you know, this entire parable is not about the prodigal son. It's not about sweeping the house. It's not really about the shepherd or the man that had the hundred sheep. It's about the elder brother. You see, because the elder brother was the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites. They were the ones who were saying, uh, I don't see how he can associate with these people. And they had already judged these sinners and these publicans as unworthy to be a part of the salvation of the Jews according to their estimate in their day. And Jesus said, you got a problem because God loves everybody. And he, uh, I'm glad on the day of Pentecost after uh, those 3,000 was saved and then the 5,000 and another time and then the Bible says makes this statement and God added to the church daily such as should be saved not Paul did not John did not Peter did God did and when God adds someone to the church then they're there and it's your job to receive them and to minister to them and to help them, and to pray for them, and to encourage them, and to watch them, to make sure if they look a little discouraged, you can say, have you got something I can help you pray about? You ever have anybody to do that? Or just put an arm around you and say, listen, uh, I've had this on my mind. I should have done it a long time ago, but this today I, I want to tell you what a blessing you are in my life. I love you. I'm glad. I can say, and I'm sure that Seth would say to, to Mason, I'm glad that God put you right there on that pew. I'm glad, and he would go all over the house, and I don't know all of you by name, but God does, and Seth would be able to say, I'm glad that God put you there. There's certain ones of you that I have cut to know over the years coming here, and, and I was looking forward to seeing you, when I came, and sure enough, when I walked up to the door, there you were. The ones that I knew would be, they always are. God's thankful. God loves those who are faithful to His work, to those you depend on to always be there, and to always do what God has called them to do. And God put them there. God put you here. I hope you know if you're a part of the Cookville Free Will Baptist Church, that God put you here. Free Will Baptists not the only people that's going to heaven, but they are people that are going to heaven. And God is using our denomination to win souls and to build the kingdom of God and to do the kingdom work. And there's an opportunity right now that is special because of the storm, because people's hearts are tender. I know I was, uh, like Tanner said, 
I woke up the morning of that storm, and it sounded like hell hitting the side of my house that, at my at bedroom window. And I heard that, and my first thought was, is, I don't know if that's rain or not, and the wind's blowing. And I could hear a thundering way off in the distance. And uh, I whispered a little prayer. <clears throat> I'm ashamed to say I did not pray for the people in Putnam County. But I said, Lord, keep us safe from this storm. And it seemed like, it's almost like I could hear it go. And it, uh, maybe I did. I heard the thunder. It was close enough that I could hear it at my house. And, uh, and it went on by. And I went back to sleep. And, of course, it had already, at that point, had already come through Nashville and was on its way through Carthage and then on the, toward Putnam County. But God knew where everybody was and what a peace he gave me. But tragedy struck. And it, you know what it did? It tendered my heart. When I got up the next morning and I saw all that had happened, my heart broke. I, I wept because of God's majesty, because of his power. I saw Tony Barnett's testimony, and I heard him and Donna talking about their experience and how their house just demolished, and, but how God placed them strategically in one place where there was concrete and everything else was gone. And I could see the little cut on Tony's head, and I thought, God leaves us a reminder sometimes of how good he is to us. Uh, I know our brother's having surgery Tuesday, and there will be a scar left. I'm sure that the surgery will go well, but there will be a little reminder that you had surgery. I've had surgery, and I have the reminders, but God's good. Well, I want to tell you this morning he loves you, no matter who you are, no matter what your position is in, his, in the world and with God, He loves you, whether you're saved or you're not saved, whether you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what it, it all boils down to that, is believing. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth. That TH on the end of that word, believe, means a continuation. So it's whosoever continues to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Where are you at this morning? That's my question to you. You're a part of the church. Or are you a part, uh, are you a person in the church that has gotten lost, is lost in the church? And this week is a time of sweeping the house. And you want to find everybody that's lost needs to get found this week. Amen? You want that to happen, and that's the desire of the church. Where are you at this morning? If God's been speaking to your heart, He's been dealing with you, I'm going to ask the musician to come on down, prepare a, just a verse or two of invitation. But, and I want to give you an opportunity this morning to come and publicly uh, confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved. 
Sometimes we try to draw a line and say, uh, someone's lost on this side of the line and they're saved on this side of the line. I'll tell you one person gets saved when they meet the requirements of God. When they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and repent, then God will save you. If you're laying down, sitting up, riding in a car, down beside a tractor wheel, praying, or in the interstate, I've heard stories of people getting saved in a lot of different situations. And, but when you meet those requirements, but listen, if we, everybody that Jesus called, and I've heard Billy Graham say this many, many times, everybody that Jesus called, he called publicly to come publicly. He said, if you're ashamed of me before this world, I'll be ashamed of you, or I won't confess you before my Father. So I'm going to ask you to stand at this time, if you would, and bow your heads for prayer. Let's commit this invitation to God. Father, we ask you now to bless this service, this, this invitation. Lord, speak to the hearts of those that are gathered here this morning. Perhaps there's someone that is lost right in the house today. I pray you touch their hearts, Lord, that you would love them, that you'd love on them, caress them, and bring them to you this morning. If there are those, Father, who have something in that room that's secret, God, perhaps today they would need to come to the altar and just lay it out. Say, Lord, let's clean out that room. I don't want nothing that would hinder me from being a part of your work. God, have your way in this invitation. We ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.